0: Coming up on Home Dunk, advice columnist Dan Savage solves the problems of the New York Knicks. But not really.
1: I hit a Home Dunk. I wish that you had shown up. I played over my head, everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. I hit
0: a home dunk. Hello, Dunkaroos. I'm John Moe, here with Wits writer and performer Mike Fotis. Hello, Mike. Hey, John. How's it going? Well, I, yeah, I, it's, it's going conflictedly. What? Why? If that's an adverb that I may use. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Kevin Garnett coming back to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I, I'll preface the whole discussion by saying that we are in. The Twin Cities, as we tape this, we are residents of the Twin Cities, so our feelings may be complicated by that. But I just don't know how to feel about this because I think it's kind of great and I think it's kind of sad also. Why do you think it's great?
1: Because my friends who grew up as Timberwolves fans, yeah. lost their minds. They're so excited with, about it. With such greatness. Yeah, they're, they, they are convinced that a championship is
0: coming, and <laughs> oh, that's not happening. No, no, that's not happening. Well, I guess <laughs> the idea of, uh, as Deadspin calls him, the angry mummy coming back to the Twin Cities, because he does kind of look like an angry mummy. Um, he's 38, he's near the end of his career, and obviously... Uh, It isn't going to end in a championship. And so this idea that he would come back here to just sort of die or, you know, just graze on the hill until he falls over, um, as as mummies do, um, it just sort of makes me sad. But on the other hand, it is a nice poetic, okay, returning back to where it all started, uh, you know, coming full circle and uh, and and all that. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Well, it's weird because I feel like maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think he left on the best
1: of terms. That's right? just it. They, they, everybody was mad at each other and yeah. it was rough. Yeah. So this whole like it's coming back and it's all a big hug is not. That's not correct. It doesn't feel truthful. No, not at all. Something's going on. That I want to get to the bottom of. But
0: do you think that's... The the people around here who are really happy about it, do you think that his return means that the acrimony never happened and therefore their their childhood is preserved and like everything's Like they're just okay? wiping that part out?
1: Yeah. No, I think that uh, if you're a, a big fan of KG, you're around his age. Mm-hmm. And while he is probably not as great a basketball player anymore, like... He still kind of looks like he could ball. He's a, yeah. he's in amazing shape, right? Yeah, he's so, nine feet tall. Yeah, he's nine feet tall. So he comes back, and I think you think to yourself, oh, I can relive some of this. So maybe you're not like erasing the seven or eight years he was
0: gone, but yeah. it's like bringing it all back. Yeah, but, Like Cassell's not coming back. God, I wish. Yeah, I know. Latrell Sprewell. And I should say also that uh as a Seattle Mariners fan, I watched the return of Ken Griffey Jr., a few years ago, where he finally came back from the Cincinnati Reds and played for the Mariners, and then ultimately ended up like retiring in the middle of the season and there were reports that he was he was literally falling asleep during games he was just going back to the training room to to catch a quick nap uh <laughs> during a baseball game was a sad slide. It, it was awful and it 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 kind of felt like what I always imagined it would be if you went back to your hometown. And then you know dated the the girl that you had a crush on in fifth grade. It's it's never going to live up to your memory of how it once was, uh, and it's it's just going to be uh, kind of a sad charade. But yeah, but from his perspective.
1: Why not come back and be a hero? Because like he could have potentially joined the Clippers, right? You know what I mean. I've heard that that was out there, and he didn't really want to do that. Yeah, and he could have stayed with uh, Brooklyn and maybe gotten into the playoffs. Because I think t- first round of the playoffs, yeah, maybe. But they're they're gonna have to at least be competing. I think. Yeah. So I think he comes back because he's like, oh no, I could close out in a way where I'm going to be sort of
0: loved and adored. And he wants to own a team. I think he wants to own own this this team. team. (laughs) Yes. He wants to be part of the ownership group, which would be fantastic, I think, in a lot of ways, because an angry mummy as an owner would be... Can you even imagine
1: him as an owner? Like, everybody would be... Sort of on edge all the time. All the time.
0: Which I think is great. Well, and, and that's kind of—it's uh, it, making me pay more attention to the Timberwolves, who are a terrible basketball team. Uh, but they have Andrew Wiggins, who is, like, legitimately phenomenally He's good. really good. It's He's fun to watch. He's really, really good and fun to watch. And then you have the Angry Mummy joining him. And so as a storyline, I, I think it becomes— It becomes very compelling. Plus, I saw, and and as we tape this, I think he's only been to one team practice. He's already already yelled at Nikola Pekovic twice. (laughs) That's outstanding. Yeah, Ricky Rubio said, I don't think anyone's yelled at Nikola Pekovic in his entire life. Well, I think this will
1: sort of sum it up. You know how most press conferences, the media is not necessarily on your side, so they ask questions like, coach, when you did that really stupid thing that lost us the game, in the back of your head, were you thinking, I'm an idiot, or were you thinking, I'm a complete idiot, so I should try this? (laughs) But when Kevin Garnett had his press conference, I listened to it, he got a standing O. The press, yeah, he was chatting everybody up there, like, Hey, KG, it's great to see you, man. And he was like back and forth, a little bit of banter, like, it was the most cheerful thing I've ever seen. The opposite of the Tory Hunter conference, yeah, in
0: that sense, I think it's a gigantic success and you know, power to him. There is something peculiar about Minnesota that I've noticed since moving here is when they have a big athlete, a big name athlete who then goes somewhere else, he stays in the papers. They keep talking about him, yeah. long after he's gone because he once was here, and it's it's sweet and a little bit sad. I so, think it's I think it moves more towards the ladder of being
1: kind <laughs> of the sad because I think we're from sports You've markets where it's like too, right? yeah, we're, oh he's gone. Who, who who are you talking about? I've never heard of him. Like the second they leave, you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Dead to but, me. Yeah, but here it's like just in case anybody wondering, like he had twelve points with the nets yesterday, <laughs> a lot of rebounds. Saw fun. Johan
0: Santana in the... <laughs> He says hi. <laughs> yeah, no, I've noticed that. That is a big thing here. I don't know. I guess it's good. The whole thing's good because I'm going to go to a game now. I'm, <laughs> is I'm... it good, though, John? Because I gave up a pretty good young player. Maybe that's the uh, element that bothered me about it is you're trading an NBA player in Thaddeus Young, a legitimate piece of a team, a basketball player in his prime for something that doesn't seem very basketball related. Some, something that seems like sentiment. It's like trading your car for a poem. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally, that's exactly what it's like. Because he might, he
1: he will play the rest of this year, but yeah. he's not committing past that. Everybody's saying, like, yeah, most likely he'll do another full, so he can have his sort of, like, tour stop, you know what I mean? Yeah, Where, dude's 38. Yeah. And has been playing since he was drafted into the NBA when he was six years old. But he wants the Jeter stops. You know when Jeter was retiring this right. past year, like, everywhere he went, they are like, hey, we got you a canoe. <laughs> like, anything that was sort of <laughs> symbolic of the area, like, right. he got all these things.
0: You know Garnett wants that stuff stuff so probably play one more year that used to be a lot meaner I remember when like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was retiring it was all like rocking chairs you know, it was, really, Over it was like you're old and dying <laughs> because, the, you know, the, the Celtics didn't want to be nice to Kareem. Like here, here's a rocking chair to go yeah. die in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, I
1: think rivalries were different
0: yeah. back then. Well, I don't remember if Boston
1: gave Jeter anything, but I always kind of hoped that they'd bring him out and then they'd be like, and here's a whole
0: lot of nothing. <laughs> here's a whole lot of nothing. Here's, here's a smack in the face, Jeter. <laughs> Just knock him down. All right. Well, we'll go see the Angry Mummy uh, play with the Timberwolves. The the other issue I wanted to talk about here, too, was, was the NFL draft, the uh, upcoming player selection process for the systematically maiming its own players league. Uh, and there seems to be a strong debate that I think is interesting in a meta sense between Jameis Winston, Florida State quarterback and knucklehead, and Marcus Mariota, University of Oregon quarterback, who seems like a really nice guy but might not be as good at football as Jameis Winston. And this week has been the NFL Combine. It's been going on for a while. And there are all these crazy reports out of this Combine about Jameis Winston, some of them saying he has the smartest football brain I have ever witnessed. He is a genius of football. Other anonymous reports saying don't even let him in your building. This guy is a cancer. He— He'll wash out. He'll be the next Jamarcus Russell. He's awful. And it just seems like everything is strategic about this, and that the truth has stopped meaning anything well it it seems
1: like all the general managers are playing a game right now to try to try to try to put themselves in position to either get him or not get him. You know what I mean? right? I, here's my take on it. I tend to lean towards he's a knucklehead with very well maybe not. For, He's a knucklehead. He's a I'm knucklehead. just gonna say that. Well, he is a knucklehead. Yeah, he's a big time knucklehead. Yeah. Uh, so I just want that out there as my he's opinion. He's a crab
0: leg stealing, expletive shouting, uh, suspect in a sexual assault knucklehead. Yeah. yeah. So let's let let's never let that part be forgotten. Right.
1: Uh, <laughs> I just want that thrown out there at all possible times. Sure, but you know he
0: and he's coached by a man named Jimbo, oh, as you've don't stipulated. Even get me started
1: on Jimbo. Oh, Jimbo. you want to be a coach at a Division I school? Use your real name. <laughs> all right, maybe it's, it is his real name. I don't know. The South is strange. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my feelings on Jameis Winston. He's probably a better quarterback than Mariota is. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily think that, but then I watched the championship game. And I had this feeling like, oh, no, I don't think Mariota could throw the ball very far. And I'm not saying he can't and can't like develop those skills. But But it's a prerequisite for quarterbacks most of the time. It's a real tough position. Do you take the guy who might be okay or do you take the guy who is probably pretty good? Because I don't think he's a Jamarcus Russell. I think
0: he's got some skill. If I'm running an NFL football team, I think I take Mariota over Jameis Winston because I have studied the draft that featured Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. And I remember watching Ryan Leaf in college and you're like, he is on another planet than everybody else. His skill level is so far beyond anybody. But there were reports of what a knucklehead he was. And this was in like... You know, the dawn of the internet era where it was hard to even find out if someone was a knucklehead. And we already knew he was a knucklehead. He was stronger. He could throw further than Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning stumbled through a lot of his, uh, his draft workouts. But they went with Manning because he seemed to have his head screwed on a little tighter. And that worked out.
1: Honestly, because it's the Bucks, right? They're picking first. Yep. The Bucks are one of those teams, like, they just can't get it wrong. Because you know what I mean, like because every every move they do, they're like, well, that'll take another twenty years to fix. So in they a way, can't, they can't get it right. You mean? But, well, I'm saying they're not in a position where they can oh, get right, it wrong. Right. No matter what happens, yeah. they'll be better off than they were. Right. Exactly. So I just I think you take Mariota, and yeah. just hope that he's good enough to keep the franchise going. Because I just want to <laughs> reiterate. Jameis Winston is a gigantic knucklehead. Yes, who doesn't belong in the NFL? Um, Those are my feelings. Those are my opinions. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well. Do Do you think when they didn't have the internet with Ryan Leaf, like all those rumors were like spread by like postcards? Yeah.
0: (laughs) You you got a little zine in the mail. (laughs) <laughs> the Ryan Leaf knucklehead zine. <laughs> Ryan Leaf seems like he might be a knucklehead, right? Somebody somebody dubbed off a Maxell cassette for you of all the dumb things <laughs> Ryan Leaf did and then uh and then you had to listen to it in your car. Um do, do you ever feel weird about even fa- I I love the NFL draft. I love the NBA draft. I get completely worked up about it. But I always feel pretty gross about uh following so closely the uh the career potential the measurements, the the meat market aspect yeah. of uh, of human beings. That
1: may, that part does make me uncomfortable. I agree with you on that. And to me, it's just it's it's apples and oranges. So uh, apparently, the other day, a guy just did a broad jump, and like so, it's just standing, uh-huh. leapt twelve feet forward, something wow. like that. That might be a little bit of exaggeration, <laughs> but not much, right? Sure. That's great. That shows amazing athletic skill. But never in the history of football has a coach called the broad jump play. Like they've never said, okay, Marshawn Lynch, what we're going to do is we're going to give you the ball, and then I want you to broad jump into the end zone. Yeah, don't run. No, no, running's against the rules. Just just broad jump. jump. And then ask the defense to not tackle you while you gear up for your broad jump. (laughs) That's always been my issue. It's never been like, I want you to run 40 yards as fast as you can. Well, That's the, all I want you to do. I don't want you to turn around to try to catch the ball. I just I want you to get geared up, pumped up, do whatever you need to do, then run Just as fast run away from
0: me as far as you can because that will measure your football skills. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, a legend of uh, when Kevin Garnett was getting ready to come into the NBA, and he was the first high school player in 20 years yeah. to be taken straight out of high school, um, and he, they put him through these drills of like, okay, dribble with your right hand and then turn and shoot with your left hand and all these things. And, you know, dude's 18 years old and he just can't do it. He's just bricking them. He's just all thrown off. But this is happening in the same gym as some other guys who are just playing some pickup basketball. And he said, please, can I just go play basketball? And he joined in and all of a sudden this mighty war eagle emerged and that's when everybody said oh okay basketball's good if he's good at playing basketball i bet he'll be good at playing basketball i think the combine should be a game ah I just, you know what i
1: mean it's yeah like can you play football yeah i mean we'd answer the
0: Mariota winston question pretty quick oh man can you imagine just throw out throw the ball out on the field everybody goes out you pick two guys to be the captains they start picking up their teams yeah recess style
1: well, you know, and the NFL wants everything to be watched. Like, that would be huge if you knew that game happened in March. Oh, the yeah. The draft status game. I know it won't happen.
0: It won't happen. I know it won't happen. But I'd be there. Yeah, I'd be there in a second. Are you kidding me? Mike Fotis, thanks. You're welcome.
1: I a home dunk.
0: The New York Knicks are having relationship problems. They have one of the worst records in the league. Their star player, Carmelo Anthony, is out for the year, maybe because of injury or he simply has a broken spirit. And now team president Phil Jackson is doing messed up stuff that is making people cry. I don't know much about relationship advice, but I do know Dan Savage, who knows plenty. Dan writes the Savage Love newspaper column. He's the author of several books. He helped lead the It Gets Better video movement, and he joins us from Seattle. Hello, Dan. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank you. We should stipulate that you are not a close follower of the New York Knicks.
2: I know nothing about the New York Knicks. And I don't want to be like one of those gay people who pretends to know less about professional sports than (laughs) he actually does. But honest to God, I didn't know that there was a team called the Knicks. I knew who Phil Jackson is because he used to coach the Bulls. And I was, you know, I was a kid growing up in Chicago. And I remember Michael Jordan and the Bulls and the riots when they would win the whatever it is that you win in basketball. Right. But I I'm not familiar at all with the Knicks.
0: Okay. Well, they're they're in New York and I believe that they're named after pants. I believe that cuz it's the New York Knickerbockers and I think they take their name honestly. Oh, and
2: see, I I actually pants. thought they were named after pickpockets like in Oliver oh. the musical. That would be my reference, nicking things, stealing things.
0: Right. Like you say Phil Jackson, one of the greatest coaches of all time, he has taken over the Knicks not as a coach But as the president, he's above the coach. He decides who's on the team. He runs the show. He sets everything up. He hired one of his favorite former players to coach. But the team is losing like crazy. Players are quitting on him. Players are being traded away for worse players. And everything is just falling apart. So
2: basically, Phil Jackson is the president of the Knicks in the way right-wingers pretend that Obama is the president of the United States. (laughs) Right. Like he's there to destroy everything.
0: Or left-wingers said about George W. Bush, yes. Exactly. Okay. so then
2: we were right when we said that about George W. Bush.
0: (laughs) So then it gets really passive-aggressive, and here's when I realized they really needed counseling. So Phil Jackson writes these cryptic tweets. Here's one of them. This was after a huge loss to another team, just a blowout, embarrassing loss. He writes, Each NBA game is an opportunity for players to show their, quote, best, unquote, nature and please the basketball gods— And those who know what, quote, it, unquote, takes. Then the next tweet soon after, today's game versus the Cavaliers gave basketball gods heartburn and those that know what, quote, it takes slash means a shake my head. I don't understand that last part. So you have the boss of this whole organization tweeting, not naming names, talking about pleasing the basketball gods and doing what it takes. Meanwhile, everything's falling apart. So my question, Dan, is can this relationship be saved? What do these people need to do from here in order to have a healthy relationship again?
2: Uh, They need to get the hell off Twitter. I think we all need to get the hell off Twitter when it comes to our professional relationships, perhaps. Um, has Twitter ever made anything better in someone's uh, work life or professional life when they drag the drama onto Twitter or the conflicts onto Twitter? Uh, I-, I think not. I don't like, think so, yeah. Obviously, he's try- He's calling someone out, subtweeting at someone, um, communicating his displeasure to someone in this cryptic way that just seems, it doesn't seem unhinged, it just seems cruel. Mm-hmm. And what those strengths in relationship counselors, I'll tell you, is they can they usually can clock in just an instant after they sit down with a couple, the couple that's going to get divorced. And this isn't a couple; this is like crazy polyamory. This is a president and a coach and a team. <laughs> right. So they usually can tell uh, someone who's going to get divorced or a relationship that's headed for extinction because of not even the issue at play. It's not like whether there was an infidelity or what, you know what. Not what the problem is, but how disrespectful the two are of each other, mm. and if there's contempt. And disrespect, there's no way to save the relationship. And hearing those tweets, Rat, it's just hard not to read into them some fundamental contempt or disrespect.
0: Well, there's this mention of uh, the basketball gods. And obviously, they're, I don't think that's a legitimate religious belief that he has. <laughs> but but it's this sort of tongue-in-cheek approach to spirituality that he seems to kind of slough off his own responsibility in this in this regard and just say, oh, you know, it's... It's the fates, and uh, that's who you, you screwed up with.
2: Perhaps, um, but I don't know what a president of a basketball team's responsibilities are exactly. <laughs>
0: well, it's actually but. pretty important. So he is the one who picks who the coach is. He's the one who decides what players are going to be on the team. If they're going to trade players for other players, he heads up that whole thing. So he has so, come in. So and since
2: they're losing, he obviously picked the wrong coach and all the wrong players, and it's all his fault?
0: Well, you would think. I mean, that's that's logically what one would conclude. But he seems to think that it's the problem of people not getting it or pleasing basketball gods.
2: Yeah, maybe he's uh, trying to do some avoidance there or transference. What did Truman say about the presidency? The buck stops there and he's the president. So I guess he has to take the responsibility. But does that mean he fires himself?
0: Probably not, have you found that the same models for uh, couples in trouble or couples uh, reaching out for advice that that can be transferred to the workplace I mean we're having kind of fun with the conceit here, but is that a legitimate thing to do? Does that hold up when you move from one to the other
2: it doesn't necessarily you know the way we define relationships now it's about equals and You know, marriages, particularly in the past, were property transactions. Men owned women. Men owned their daughters. Men owned their wives. And marriage now is much more egalitarian. And straight people did that. Straight people redefined marriage to be the union of two equals. And marriage only lasts so long as both people wish to be in that marriage. Work relationships are not the same. Work relationships are sort of the old definition of marriage. You're not owned by your boss. You know, you can quit a job, but there's a huge built-in power differential uh, power imbalance in workplace relationships that there aren 't in theory or definitionally in marital relationships or relationship relationships anymore so it 's not the same, and everything isn 't uh, that 's applicable to relationships romantic relationships isn 't i think applicable to workplace relationships, but there 're still relationships there 're still people people still have feelings and people are complicated and feelings are weird and you know, if you make your partner, your romantic partner, feel icky and gross and criticized and uh, unappreciated, you're not going to get the best out of them in the relationship. And I think the same is in a workplace relationship. If it's creepy and weird and you're making it creepy and weird, you're not going to get the best out of people. Jobs, jobs. And, right. you know, you do the work because you like the work. And uh, But it's work. Relationships should be uh, a joy. And if you're seeking your joy exclusively in your workplace, you're going to be disappointed because work is a grind.
0: Well, let's give the New York Knicks some advice here moving forward. So you have Phil Jackson doing this subtweeting. The coach, Derek Fisher, saying, I don't know what he means. The players aren't saying anything, and everybody seems miserable. You've been brought in as a consultant to the New York Knicks to make things better, Dan. What do you tell the organization?
2: That they should Build a proscenium stage in, in the gym uh, where they play and start doing Broadway musicals instead because everyone loves a show. Uh, I have no idea. This is so far outside my area. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't pretend to know what to tell someone playing sports ball uh, okay. <laughs> to do, because I have no conception. I fled from organized team athletics uh, as a child as quickly as I possibly could, and I've never looked back. You know, actually... You should be talking to my brother who's actually a sports scholar. He might have some ideas. Oh, there but, you uh, go. I have no idea. Well,
0: you know, if they did put on uh, a musical, if they staged Bye Bye Birdie there at the next practice facility, it couldn't be any worse than the way they play basketball. So your advice actually might be fine. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, somebody's getting joy out of the Knicks losing, their opponents. Right. So it actually, a musical could be worse, because if the show's bad, the audience suffers and the actors suffer, nobody wins. But when the Knicks suck, somebody wins. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah, I've been out of theater long enough. I I forgot for a moment that there is actually nothing worse in the world than, than a bad musical.
2: It's excruciating. It's the
0: worst thing that can ever happen. Dan Savage, thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on to talk about this thing that I'm unqualified to talk about <laughs> in every respect.
0: Turning to Dutch basketball. Well, it was the uh, the all-star game. Netherlands celebrated a victory over the DBL Stars. Looks like it was a score of 127 to 125, a squeaker for the Netherlands. Big game out of Jerome van der List. His dunk late in the game sealed the victory for the Dutch team, says Eurobasket.com. The producer of Home Dunk is Nina Potok. We are part of the Infinite Guest Podcast Network. Please go to Infinite Guest o r g and you can find out all sorts of other wonderful podcasts including our newest addition to the lineup my good pal from a million years ago and ever since luke burbank and his podcast tbtl it's been going strong for many years before i had ever even heard of podcasts luke was pounding this thing out and it is a delight so go on over to infiniteguest.org and give it a listen i'm john moe bye now